Welcome to Reboot Higher Ed. So today we're going to get straight into it and discuss two words that are trending in higher ed, and that is regular and substantive. Regular and substantive. Yes, you can build a whole episode about around two words. You know, I don't want to like be that podcaster to just like just doesn't just get right to the point, right? I, I don't want to do that, but I do. We do have to know how we got here. We do. Ha- we do know how we have arrived at at those two words and how they play a huge role in innovation with online learning. So first of all, online learning, online education is nothing new. Um, it's been around for over 170 years. Uh, the, you know, the, the foundation of online learning and distance education uh, came from correspondence courses offered in Great Britain. So you know, instructors uh, sent messages back and forth by mail. Um, then you know you move forward uh, from from those days into 1960s uh, at the University of Illinois, where there was linked terminal systems, the intranet. Nine years before the internet was even delivered to us by the Department of Education, not Department of Education, Department of Defense. I'm gonna get in trouble for that one. So, the 1969, the Department of Defense was the intranet, but 1960s, the intranet. So you had the uh, system of linked computer terminals where students can access course materials as well as listening to recorded lectures. And does anyone remember Lemonade Stand? So that's a virtual learning environment that really kind of changed um, online learning with computers in a virtual environment. And if you look forward today and so that, you know, 1979 to today, um, that integrated uh, technology, um, the virtual environment learning, um, look at how it plays a huge role in furthering education uh, for people that learn differently and then also those that um, have special needs. So there's there, the innovation just provides so many different opportunities. And so why am I giving a, distance, a, a history of distance education? Because in its earliest form, it was designed to give access to students who without innovation, first one, mail system, or you know, move forward, the internet, would not have the tools to enhance their education. So it's innovative, and with innovation, skepticism follows. And with innovation, there are times that will uh, the fraud can, can can occur, abuse can occur, and with fraud and with abuse, um, over time comes loss. But who loses here? Well, right now, and the focus and topic of this uh, podcast, uh, adult learners lose. So. You know, prior to 2005, distance education, uh, there had been some serious cases of fraud and correspondence courses. Uh, so to you know, to cut it where it hurts, uh, the federal funding was limited. So that term, regular and substantive interaction, was included to assist defining the difference between uh, the from correspondence and distance education. So I'm, and again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm not gonna deviate away from the point and and uh, have a conversation about it in 50 different directions. But you might remember St. Mary's of the Woods. Um, you know, the office inspector general, you know, provided an audit, uh, St. Mary's of the Woods, who had two different undergrad uh, distance learning formats, the Wood External Degree, the WED program, um, and then also uh, the Woods Online. Um, so, and, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, there was, there's been amendments since the, the, since 1965, the Higher Education Act. Don't remember that? Do know about it more now after research for, uh, uh, some upcoming episodes and projects, but you know the, there was the, there was, it was amended in 1992 just to address the numerous instances of abuse. Uh, you know, and that you know that amendment states that institutions not eligible to participate in Title IV programs if 50% or more of its students were enrolled in correspondence courses and during courses during its latest uh, complete award year. Uh, that this is properly tagged as the 50% rule. 
So what it did was it really defined the difference in the correspondence and telecommunications. Um, so that, you know, the telecommunications, and, and this is where St. Mary's, um, one instance where St. Mary's ran into some trouble because on their enrollment numbers, and that's going to be in the show notes, uh, I have a link of, of, of the Office Inspector General's um, uh, complete audit, but their enrollment in the, the, the correspondence piece was uh, like over 1,000 students with on campus, it was like 300. So obviously, you're, uh, you, you've kind of gone over that 50%. So now... When you're dealing with a telecommunications course, it's later just called distance learning, online learning. This uh, course is offered principally through the use of one or a combination of technologies. So that's going to be TV, closed circuit TV, uh, the uh, you know cable, satellite, audio conferencing, computer conferencing. So you have all these. It can be it, that's the delivery. Now, the uh, more came to telecommunications. Uh, course definition where the course have you know had to be offered principally through one of the technologies specified in the regulatory definition to qualify as a telecommunications course but effective in 2006 this is uh, the telecommunications course had to also include regular and substantive interaction between the students and the instructor so so we have the first you know change you know in the 90s where it's like all these different technologies, right? You have all these different technologies that can be used to deliver. But then, you know, can can abuse happen there? Well, it did, obviously, and that's where another change came. So in 2006, that's where it said, okay, regular and substantive. Regular and substantive appeared. You know, so that there you go. And that, you know, again, when 50% of uh, correspondence limitations exceeded, an institution is ineligible to participate in Title IV funding. You know, so that... That is a that was a problem for St. Mary's of the Woods. Um, as of late, you've just seen um, Western governors go through um, an audit of the Inspector General. Regular and substantive is coming up again. Now, those that are not familiar with uh, Western governors. Um, uh, that is uh, Western governors. It's it's been around since 19, 1997. It's a private nonprofit university, um, and this this school provides online access to higher education through competency-based bachelor degree, bachelor's degrees programs, master's degrees programs, teacher licensure programs, and it's headquartered in Salt Lake City. So now, if you're not familiar with competency-based, that is, that's more of an emphasis on a mastery of a, a specific learning objectives and competencies rather than subject material. So a traditional credit hour program is operating on a time-based schedule. So if a student attend a certain number of classroom sessions and make a minimum score on tests and papers, they pass to the next level. That's your traditional model. So uh, competency-based, and we'll just call it CBE, uh, that philosophy holds that every student learns different, um, different material at varying speeds. So students um, in CBE programs complete material at an independent pace, move on to the next course, only when they achieve sufficient mastery of competency. And that target population is going to be that adult learning popula population. So 25 and over, uh, most likely you work either a full-time or part-time job, have other responsibilities, uh, need a flexible schedule to balance, um, just balance a degree program with their obligations. And those CBE programs help them um, get that skill set they're going to need for something that, um, that they, they need for a specific skill set for their career. So now um, 
we look at uh, Western governors. Now, I know that you you've seen like you know some of the press where you know they were looked at. Hey, you know, th- during that audit, that one of the suggestions or recommendations was they were going to be given back seven hundred thirteen million dollars of federal financial aid. Now, so wh- what happened in that audit? You know, where did regular and substantive come up? Well, when they they look so. Uh, it's plain and simple. You can look at the. I have a link to the the their the audit. I don't want to say it's plain and simple. It never is. It's complicated. But I want to simplify one thing that you can look at with regular substantive, and that is, um, you know, who, the difference between instructor and faculty, right? So Western governors use uh, university use what is described as an unbundled faculty composition model. So they have student mentors. Uh, and they counsel and provide support and guidance to students. So the, these are uh, content experts, uh, and they offer specialized instruction to help students with specific questions that arise and offer uh, specialized instruction. Now, I know that, you know, in one of their statements, too, Western Governors even stated, you have, we, have, we have in that unbundled faculty, uh, you know, Ph.D. level and individuals and professionals. Um, but there, there is experience and training is specific to the course they support, all right? So according to the, the, uh, the school's official job description, course mentors, mentors are subject matter experts, all right? But here's, here's, here's the rub, okay? In Title IV definition of distance education, that required the regular and substantive interaction in distance education course to be between the student and instructor, not just any member of a school's faculty. Right? So the definition, student and instructor, instead of just a member of the faculty. Um, you know, the Office of Inspector General, you know, obviously... WGU, uh, they had a response to, to this, um, which, you know, is obviously going to go against that. And then, you know, the Office of Inspector General is just stating that, you know, that their argument is that any interaction with a faculty member, including non-teaching faculty, uh, uh, does not meet the, the plain language of the higher education department. And it, it needed that regular and substantive interaction with an instructor to find clearly distinguished between distance education and correspondence. So, like, they're, that's, they're sticking to that. Like, so, it says it like this, and your all's is unbundled. So, again, now, this is not, they're not, Department of Education hasn't moved forward with this. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I know that hasn't been a focus, and colleges really haven't been a focus so far um, under this administration as of yet. Not saying that it won't be, just right. You know that audit said that you know Washington governors should pay back the seven hundred thirteen million in federal aid. So the idea of regular substantive, uh, you know, we have to look at that. So what can you know? We now I gave you a couple instances, you know. In '92, in 2005, 2006, there were some changes made, but those, some of the changes that were made and those things and amendments were put in place were to basically like get the bad players out, right? Those are always going to be around, um, but like, what what could we do? What's a different way to look at this moving forward? Um, we have to keep an eye on this. Um, doing this episode, and there's more to come. 
uh, in future episodes, but I wanted to bring you up to speed and up to date with like, okay, so we have two schools that I just used, uh, Western Governors University, St. Mary's of the Woods. All right. Okay. Now I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. And I'm not saying, you know, that I'm not here to, to, to go. Um, and I'm not, you know, I don't have them on the witness stand and I'm, you know, prosecuting attorney trying to figure out exactly if they are guilty or not guilty of, of, uh, any kind of fraudulent or abuse of federal funding. Okay. I think you can look at the inspector general report and find that some things were overlooked or with innovation there also has to you know you have that why person that big picture person you're also going to have that have to involve those other parties obviously now this is a very complex thing it's not as easy as i'm making it right here but how can this be looked at um, if we were to be audited? I don't, you know, how can we prove this? And a lot of it's in the language that's on paper and you know, the documents that are out there, the syllabi. You know, where are you stating that the regular and substantive interaction happens between students uh, and their instructors? And if it's not students and instructors and you have an unbundled faculty um, model, uh, how can that be construed if there was an audit? And could that be cause for um, a recommendation that would shut you down or an amendment that would shut you down so obviously we have to continue to prepare but the innovation in that competency based model does work for some people right where i'm going with this is you know what if students learn not all students and learn they're going to learn the same way but some learn just as well using software like an app or a modern day version of lemonade stand should they not receive the same funding as a student on campus you know, the outcomes are there and the competency can be shown as well as attendance and interaction. Well, it just means that the regular substantive needs a makeover. So uh, Russ Poland, who's uh, employed by uh, or works uh, as a director of policy analysis at the Western Interstate Commission for Higher Education and Cooperative for Educational Technologies, long title. Uh, but he's quoted in Inside Higher Ed. So the basic idea of regular substantive so, you know, his Poland suggested that lawmakers replace the regular and substantive standard with a series of measures starting with building on last day of attendance requirements for distance learning. So when a student drops out without notifying the institution, there are complex return to Title IV refund requirements to kick into place. So where he's getting at is... For face-to-face, -face, demonstrating a student attended a lecture is fine. Distance um, requires the college or university to share the, la the last academic activity, quiz, paper, participation, online discussion. So, again, so, like, are we, we're, like, what are we doing with education right now? You know, so we're saying, so, because shouldn't it be what works best for the student? If, you know, if I take a online class and I'm doing interaction with software, um, and then you're in class and you're doing the same, but you're in an instructor environment with other classes, you know, brick and mortar atmosphere. Um, and I can do it and I can do it at a cheaper, uh, you know, at a cheaper cost and I can do it and it fits in with my schedule. Um, and we both have the same outcomes. Can I get funding to take that course or what, you know, or what can be put in place and what amendments need to happen? To change the language for regular and substantive, and I'm, I'm, you know, with the times that we're in, um, and cost being a concern for many looking to complete their degree, it's something that needs to be considered. Now, I'm not saying just like take it off and take it away. It needs to be in place, but it also needs to not be a barrier for innovation. 
And the ways to do that is to also look at, you know, what is, you know, what's effective and what's not, what's working and what's not. And then, you know, I think that uh, more that work in the higher ed circles, uh, definitely keep a close eye on this. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm not, this is, I'm not here to like try to solve anything. I'm here to make sure that everybody's aware. Um, this is a conversation going on and a conversation that all of us in higher ed need to be, be paying attention to um, and be ready to pivot and, and, and maneuver at our university as, you know, many of us and those, you know, that work in the nonprofit uh, private sector that are, you know, moving more into the online space. Um, you know, there are, there are guardrails out there that, that protect our students. And I know that we have the student's best interest in mind. So when we're, we're preparing to be even more innovative, um, you know, realize the complexities that are out there and, and keeping the students in mind and their well-being in mind. You know, what can we do uh, to continue to communicate with our policymakers uh, and people that are uh, in government to, yes, keep the guardrails, but don't keep us from creating something that's going to create a uh, more access um, and lower cost. Uh, and yes, could it take away from, does, could it take away from, I guess, revenue, tuition revenue? Yeah, I could see where that could be a concern for some, but I can also see that in bringing a different kind of student to either your um, brick and mortar or your on- online courses, uh, a different type of student, um, or getting that student back um, in the flow again of, of a comp- degree completion um, that wouldn't have the opportunity without the access and because of the innovation. So that's all for today. You know, if today's episode um, brought you any benefit, uh, you liked it, you know, please subscribe. You can go to rebootheighered.com and you can subscribe to my podcast there. If you're on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, um, uh, Stitcher, uh, you can subscribe as well. So choose a listening platform that works best for you. And please rate and give me your, give me a rating. Um, I want to continue to to move my podcast up through the ranks and uh, bring it to more listeners. I hope this uh, episode was uh, informational and, you know, I'm not an expert in this field. Um, I don't pretend to be just want to inform. I think it's important and hopefully uh, you find some value into it. So uh, again, thanks for tuning in to another episode of reboot higher ed. Have a great rest of your day.